up, internet? Ain't a dick on the planet good enough to offset a demonology hobby? My name is Matthew Kroll. Nope. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Candyman. Candyman. No, 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 don't say it. Candyman. Don't, don't, Candy. Don't, what? No, don't, don't, don't. don't. Oh. I, I'm in a closet, my bro. Are you, are you surrounded by mirrors? I there. I mean, here's look, a question. The, the the screen could technically be a black mirror because we are looking at. That's my question, right? Like, I mean, if I saw the Candyman behind you, that would be a moment, right? I mean, there's sure. a skeleton behind you right now. Yeah, but, but that's different. Yeah, that's that's uh, Gibson. We don't <laughs> we we only talk about him a little bit. Um, no, I, I, I'm curious if in the mechanics it would work. We're going to talk a lot about mechanics in this episode. Um, but like, you know, cause it's not a mirror. It's, we are not looking at a reflective surface. We are looking through electronics and we can see our face back to make the zoom call work. I think this should be a Candyman 2.0, which is the next one, which is going to be like Candyman through the, through the internet. In space. Yeah. And Candyman, the cryptocurrency. Candyman <laughs> X. Um, um, this was uh, an interesting one that I was uh, keen to do. But let, yeah, I think we will talk a little bit about mythology here. Also, have we said the C word at least five times on this episode thus far? I mean, to- total, yes. Okay, so uh, if that is the case and you don't hear from us next week, dear listener, um, just shout, oh no, it's uh, not the bees into the ether and hopefully we'll, <laughs> we'll be okay. <laughs> And and that's when our angels will get their wings is really what we're what oh we're saying. God, here. There's so much going on right now. There's so uh, much going on. So much going on. Uh, how was your week, Shahir? Did you have fun post our malignant conversation? Uh I have not thought about malignant anymore since that since that conversation. Though I do know we have an email about that, so I will read that out very shortly. Um, I have just been watching TV. I've been kind of warming up. Really? To, yeah. You know, like. Getting uh, uh, curled up late at night, very late at night, as it turns out, to catch up on uh, Midnight Mass, the new Mike Flanagan show, which I'm really enjoying thus far. Nice. Although, I, again, I'm wondering, I had this issue with Malignant, and I'm wondering if it's me or I, I, I'm not certain of just where I am. But I, 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 I have you watched Midnight Mass, by the way? No. Sorry. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a major spoiler in episode, th- well, there's a major moment in episode three, mm-hmm. and I knew exactly what it was from episode one. Gotcha. Like I, like I was just like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Nailed and, it. Yeah, and I, and then it happened, and I was like, am am I, am I reading too much ahead? Are these things getting easier? Uh, you know, like is it just luck? Am I looking too far? Yeah. You know, like I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe you're just good at what you do. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you, a television question, sure. and there's only one right answer. Okay, I just want you to know that quantum leap. Going, you got it. <laughs> no. I nailed it. Uh, uh, no, uh, okay. Well, they, okay. For the first question, there's uh, there's actually two answers. Are you going to watch the Netflix Cowboy Bebop show? Ah, uh, I've been thinking about that because I was thinking I should watch the original show. I haven't watched it yet. So because my my this follow up question that there's only one correct answer for is will you be watching the original series beforehand? I think I will watch the original. Se- Whether I watch the Netflix shows, I, I I have no idea, but I will at some point in my life feel like I need to watch uh, the TV show. I know nothing. I still like- have a dream. <laughs> Of a side show, a side hustle show we do, mm-hmm. where just for 26 episodes in a movie, we do shorter forum podcast things on Cowboy Bebop. I know nothing about You Cowboy. don't have to. Like, I, the- like I literally know, li- like, I just know the title. 
and that's, that's why it would be so fun because you appreciate good things and it's this is one of the best things but like why 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 would we do this show like what what like, because it's literally i think the best television series ever made ever made ever made in my opinion okay hashtag tm whatever the fuck <laughs> like i i i always go back and forth i look at all of the different things i like and and yeah. and everything and every time I get to, oh, this or Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, it's always Cowboy Bebop. It's always Cowboy Bebop. And it's consistent. <laughs> like, that was me years ago. Yeah. And I just rewatched it when I did my Nebula original, the working titles thing, to talk about the opening of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Um, I just rewatched the whole series. And it's still, like, you know how sometimes you watch something I, when you're young? Yeah. Uh, or just uh, even, like, a year or two earlier. And then you watch it again and you're like, meh. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like it, it, the, the, it's not the right time in your life, or it flows away, whatever. But there's some stuff that just like sticks, hmm. and man, does this series stick. The um, one for me, like I mean, would be The Wire. You know, I I mm-hmm. just rewatched The Wire all the whole way through again, which would be my, I think my fourth or fifth watch Jesus, at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on. I think I'm on watch five of Bebop. So I got I got you. Yeah. So it's uh so it's uh let's let's hand it over to the listeners. Uh, either The Wire or Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> I know, I'm, Ooh, I, I'm not suggesting we do a series yeah. about The Wire. I was just like, why Cowboy Bebop in, 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 like, what is the argument for Cowboy Bebop instead of any show? It is the elevation of storytelling in the art form, in, in my opinion. In the art form of animation? In the art form of television. Or, or the art form of television. Straight okay. up. Okay. Yep. I would um, make that argument about The Wire. Sure. Uh, but I, I would have to, yeah, you'd have to hear what's specific about The Wire, uh, about Cowboy Bebop. I mean, yeah. We, 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 luckily, this is not the podcast that no. we're talking about that on. But I, 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 just as just as I believe that you could say and and make that assumption or that uh, statement about the wire, mm-hmm. I also believe that I could make that statement and assumption about Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I guess, what I'm positing is what is, what is the 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 thing, the thing thing. Well, what's the thing for the wire? The wire is the most novelistic television show ever made, in my opinion, and over across five seasons gives you an amazing topography about how a city works. And I don't think any television show has ever done that, uh, nor has any television show tried to do that since. Interesting. I would say Bebop is actually somewhat similar in that way, but the way that it functions for me, um, and the way I think it functions for any viewer, is it gives you the maximum amount of information in the shortest amount of time possible. Like, there is not a, a, a frame wasted mm-hmm. to get you to the emotionally resonant point that that series is building towards. And also it ends. How like, does it compare to, to Rick and Morty in that respect? Because that's something I think Rick and Morty does really well. Rick and Morty... Hmm, that element of non-wastefulness, I do feel like, uh, is is true in Rick and Morty. However, I do like Rick and Morty quite a bit. Not every bit of Rick and Morty hits for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though I know that the story structure and what they're trying to do in Rick and Morty is not wasting time, there are moments in that series that I'm like, all right, move this along. Right. Uh, whereas that has never, that in, in all five watchings, it has never happened in Cowboy Bebop. 
If I um, recall, we did have an email request to look at Cowboy Bebop. I, I felt like it came from the Ukraine or somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, can, maybe. I can't remember who, who emailed us in about that, but I recall there was a thing about it. I do need to watch that show. Uh, I am trying to watch, um, in terms of, it is a Japanese anime show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to watch uh, more Satoshi Kon films right now, so mm. I'm watching Paprika, um, and I want to get, th- and uh, and per- I've seen Perfect Blue a while back, but I want to watch that again. So Perfect I, I am trying good, to get but myself I back into the that world. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to get myself back into that world. So The best part about Bebop, in my opinion, is it's not, like, I don't even, I know it is an anime, no yeah. question, of course it is. I don't think of it as an anime. Like, in my brain, it is not compartmentalized with all the other anime that I like. Right. Like, it's just, it's transcended, it's transcended the form. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, this and, uh, is not wait, that just podcast. So I know, just I'm so, so know, sorry. How many episodes are there? 26, they're, and they're about 20 minutes total. long. And a movie. Oh, okay. All right. And well, the that's... movie takes place between episode 22 and 23. That is far more doable than The Wire. Uh, so oh, very us... much so, yes. <laughs> so write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com uh, or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod to let us know which of those two shows, if any, we should do as a special side series. Yeah, if to let us to, know. If we ever had time. To let us know if you see any space cowboys or if you see Omar coming. <laughs> so either one of those. Uh, rest you in let peace, us Michael know. K. Williams, who recently yeah. passed away. Um, but we did get an email about our little rant about uh, <laughs> James Wan's film. I think it, I was the ranter. You, uh, you, you definitely, you had more of a passionate take, let's say, on uh, Malignant. <laughs> uh, I, I did, I, I felt like I tried to not defend that film, but find a, a way to read that movie. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I still don't want to watch it again. So uh, you, you were the greatest uh, defense attorney supplied by the state that yeah. film could ever have. Um, <laughs> Zeus writes us in, Hey man, Cher, just listened to your episode today. When I heard you guys were going to be watching Malignant, I was excited given what a strange movie it turned out to be. Definitely didn't think Matt would react so negatively towards it. I actually got you to be and surprised. Me, in the, in you the spe- and me both. In the spectrum of, uh, of movies you love and uh, would react negatively to, this one was a little bit of a surprise. Personally, I didn't enjoy the movie as a whole. I think almost every criticism against this movie is valid, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. Ultimately, I think this movie does remind me a lot of the video nasties that Shahir mentioned. It certainly wanted to feel like a giallo film at times with the red lighting and the way the killer dressed. Ultimately, I think James Wan's ability to make something this sleek is what got in the way. If this movie had been made with a much smaller budget, we would be applauding its tenacity and to try something that even if it didn't work. Hmm. Once again, I didn't enjoy this movie, but I know a lot of people within the horror community seem to like it mostly because of the giant swing and miss that it took. I, for one, won't be forgetting this movie anytime soon. I actually, It actually got me to go and watch Demons, which in turn crystallized my opinion on Malignant. Uh, I hope that's enough to convince Matt to at least not be so mad at the movie. Um... Uh, we also mentioned some, uh, uh, you know, do you have any suggestions of movies that we should uh, watch? And these are two that have come through before from Zeus, uh, and that is Paddington 2, which briefly outshone mm-hmm. Citizen Kane as the best reviewed movie of all time, and Tiger's Not Afraid, a wonderful horror fantasy set in Mexico uh, by director Issa Lopez, who was mainly known for rom-coms before writing and directing this movie. Uh, and now she's working on a werewolf western. Mm-hmm. Um, love the podcast and enjoy chatting with you here about random Boonwell and Criterion movies on uh, Twitter. Uh, and I do love that as well uh, actually Baby Dread had been um, watching a bunch of Boonwell films and I and I watched Boonwell films when I was in college I believe right. and, I, and they really did strike me but I have not revisited them I, I do remember I think uh, as I started teaching film 
uh, it's always a blast showing students Unchien Andalou. That's like the best thing you can show a film student because uh, it will just it, it's short for one. It's only like 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, and it opens with an eye being sliced uh, open with a razor blade. And that always gets a that always gets a, 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 di- a different reaction out of the audience. Uh, thank you, Baby Dread. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I have not thought about malignance <laughs> at all. I think I purged my feelings of it. And now I'm you know what? I'm glad people can enjoy it. Friend of the show, Matt Bransdorf, um, just texted Misha here. Not. 45 minutes ago right and said oh my god i'm so excited you i just saw you did a malignant episode i i can't wa- listen to it yet but i gotta know what you thought <laughs> and i and i said oh it gotta be a surprise ha 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 and he's like no 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 like let's let's talk about it and i was like well one of us hated it and then i dropped the charade and i was like it was me i hated it and he goes i loved it so much and wow. then i was like this is our friendship test moment oh yeah he should this uh, is yeah this is it he should uh, so i he should I'm write sure, us in with his rebuttal at some point. Of course. Well, yeah. I, or the next time he's on, I'm yeah. more than happy to discuss it. I won't remember it by then, but I, I will let him have his moment because I'm sure. Listen, I, I you know, we have a lot of friends in the in the film community, and I, I think uh, Matt is one of those people who, specifically in horror, actually both Matts that I know from, from our little family are like real horror aficionados. So right. if they're seeing something special there, you know. I'm glad that they're seeing something special then. Um, <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. If you have yet to catch up with Malignant and do so and disagree with either of our takes, please write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us yeah. up at onlymoviepod. Matt, I'm just uh, just going to unwrap one of these things here. I'm going to have uh, a little bit of uh, candy, man. Oh, I should eat some runs. <laughs> I have some in my You have some candy? Drawer. Yeah. I do. So I'm going to eat them. Should we sit out the rules here first so far? Well, I'm, I'm eating the candy right now. Yeah, there you go. Ugh. It's just the audio medium. Ugh, gross. By the way, uh, P.T. Anderson's trailer for Licorice Pizza came out, and I just can't stop I thinking about that. That, ta- the, that title. I just love that title so much. What a fun trailer. Uh, didn't I know you didn't watch it, Yeah, I skipped it's a through. fun trailer. Yeah. Well, he's a great filmmaker. Um, all right. The C word of the day is Candyman. Oh, um, <laughs> I, was, I thought we were going somewhere else. Yeah, I, I figured you would. Did you watch the 1992 Bernard Roosevelt? So I did. I did. I don't remember it. You don't remember it? Like I even just on a, on, on a fundamental it. principle. I of remember what... what Candyman looks like. I remember bees in a hook. Right. I don't know why it didn't stick with me. I, I remember. I don't. I, I don't have any like bad memories of it or like not enjoying it. I, yeah. I, 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 and I was having I was having trouble remembering the mythos when going into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, by it's funny. I was like, should I research the first one again because I don't remember it? And I was like, you know what? They're just calling it Candyman. It's not Candyman Two, even though it is a sequel. I I want it to speak for on its own. Like right. I want I want to go into this. Let's do that experiment. Like right. you know, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it did is you kind remember? of a direct sequel. Right? It is so, a direct sequel. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I so gathered the, that too. Yeah, the but... more you know about the original Candyman, I think the bit of the experience is going to be. For I Candyman. have some questions for you then, if you know some stuff. I I know some stuff. I definitely wa- rented a VHS copy of Candyman when it came out. Um, there is a, a scene from the from from the movie that is permanently burned into my brain as I think one of the best horror scares. Uh, I think I ever saw at that age. Like, and I I recall feeling that Candyman was a far more sophisticated 
uh, slasher film than uh, something like, um, our, you know, uh, the, the Friday the 13th God yeah. series or Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I did watch the sequel, Farewell to the Flesh, which I also, which I recall being oh, that's right. not not very good. They they even had a uh, Day of the uh, Day of the Dead, uh, the the third film in the trilogy as well. Um, the memory and the, and the reason I was compelled to want to do this particular film um, was that you know the thing about Candyman that it was always interesting was that behind the mythos there was actually a really tragic tale mm-hmm. of um, uh, of a of a man uh, lynched uh, in the antebellum period. Uh, so this obviously the 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 horror was sort of merged with. Um, an understanding of slavery and Mm -hmm. uh, historical atrocities in America. Um, So uh, the idea that Jordan Peele, you know, right, you know, um, sort of provocateur uh, of the hour um, who made a film like Get Out would write a uh, an update to Candyman. I thought it was very excited by it. And then the the attachment of director Nia DaCosta um, was also something that was very interesting. I did not see her first film Little Woods um, but uh, I know she's been she's now attached to uh, Captain Marvel Part 2. Um, oh, interesting. So she is a, uh, a young director very much on the uh, the rise at this point. So, so I, I got I to say, yeah. up top, even before we kind of get into Candyman, the, well, I guess this is sort of getting into the film of it more than the mythos or the questions that I have. I got to say, for, you know, horror round two this week, right? Yeah. Uh, what a stark difference in style mm-hmm. and craft. Yeah. I was elated. Mm. The, the opening credits of this, like... I was just thinking about it. Holding the opening credits of Malignant next to the opening credits of Candyman, mm. the 2021. I I know where my loyalties lie. I right. know where my tastes are found. <laughs> I couldn't get over this simple camera type mo- mood. The, the upside the, down, the, the, the upside down, city. the inverted city, but it's like at a backwards forty-five degree angle, yeah. And it ties in beautifully with not only the mood, but like there's a whole bunch of things about reflections, and you kind of think of it as sort of like the reflection of the city off of the other side. Like there, it it it's thematically correct and visually stunning, yeah. And this is what I want in my elevated horror. This right. is what I want. And actually, to be honest, in all my horror, uh, right. unless unless we're doing real low budget, like, uh, you know, <laughs> silly nonsense. Oddly, um, I think that, you know, not to distract the conversation, but I think Malignant was aiming for the low budget silly. But the but, problem but is it, has it had a budget. budget. But, it has a, but, it, but it's, uh, it's, balling, it's not balling on a budget at all. Low budget never works when you have a budget. It yeah. never has and it never will. <laughs> it, it, innovation, or sorry, um, necessity is the mother of innovation or whatever that sort of thing is. That's right. where that's like the gold comes from in that sort of style of, of cinema. So this, fuck, man, I, I was like, yup, on board. Yeah. Here I, you set me up. This is you. You put me in the most opportune place, yeah. uh, movie. Congratulations! The credits have done their job, uh, and then some. Um, I, I, I. It was just such a weird, stark contrast. <laughs> the emotional beginnings. The first ten minutes of this week's film and last week's film were so dichotomously opposed yeah. that I couldn't get over it. Uh, I, yeah. So this this movie itself, um. I think does a really good job at riding the sequel line. Mm-hmm. 
Um, again, I'm not familiar with the first. I, I don't remember too much of the first one, and the, the second and third one, I don't think I ever saw. I remember seeing the trailers and for Farewell to the Flesh, um, uh, and and it just felt like correct. It felt like you could jump in, you know, without knowing anything, yeah. or you could or you could know the stuff, and it seemed like you'd be rewarded for your knowledge. Yeah, uh, that's what it uh, did. It reward for your knowledge. Do you feel? Um, in my case, certainly knowing, uh, and I didn't revisit the sequel. I didn't revisit the original, but I did a quick it. Wikipedia and found a couple of YouTube videos that just you know like went through what happened in the mm. original for me, so that I could um, uh, recap uh, th- th- that film. Um, so I went in knowing what had happened in the original. Um, do you want to give us the synopsis of Candyman two thousand twenty one before we move forward? I would love to. Uh, the internet. Movie Database says that Candyman is a sequel to the horror film Candyman, 1992, that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, I, I, yeah, like you, I loved the first few minutes of this. The The original 1992 Candyman uh, was scored by Philip Glass, one of my favorite composers, and I re-listened to the score uh, today and I was like, oh my god, how did they get film glass for this? And the original, the the story of how that uh, that film came out is pretty fascinating because this was um, based on a Clive Barker short story mm. um, that was set in the, in London, but uh, writer and director Bernard Rose decided to adapt it, and then you know was finally got financing to do it in America and decided, well, if I'm going to do it in America, I'm going to adapt that story even further and make the character be a uh, uh, the the character is not a slave but he is an african-american living in those periods who was a painter um and so uh, and i think his crime quote unquote was that he impregnated a white woman and was lynched for it um so it was amazing to that he took that story um and you know took the original clive barker story and and reformatted it uh, or we, you know, like updated it for the environment in a really, sure. in a really striking way that I think a lot of horror movies wouldn't do in 1992. It's funny. The 1992 thing I think is a perfect conglomeration of exactly what you just said. Like do, saying something with the horror. Like it's not just Freddy Krueger murdered a bunch of kids and then these parents burnt him alive in a house and now he comes back in your dreams with knives for fingers for some reason. Like, yeah. but there was a, j- there was a story for Freddy Krueger as well, right? That I just told you it. Yeah. Well, no, he's like a pedophile. He, there, there was a there's a bigger story where he was a pedophile who killed children, and then he was murdered and burnt alive, and that's why he became a dream catcher. Well, yeah, but the dreams have nothing to do with it. Like that's my point. Like there's a disparate like. Then something demonic happened, and he's now back. He's and he can get in your dreams. Like what, what's like, the demonic thing in Candyman? That that like well, I'm what's get, the I'm understanding sort of, of that? I'm getting. I'm. You're not letting me finish my thought. And I have to keep going back to things. So right, let me right. let me sort of restart. What I like about or and and what what you can sort of see with Candyman in general is like the origin point of that sort of non sequitur style of horror monster like so case in point the hook in the hand right doesn't make a whole lot of sense narratively with the torture and the horrendous things that the original man who was who was uh who was lynched goes through like like it doesn't like that's the one thing it's like, wait, huh? Why would you do that if you're, uh, okay. Like, and so like there's that element of like Freddy's glove or going into dreams or stuff that like doesn't sort of like, oh, we're just making it more scary. It makes sense that it was an adapted thing that someone actually took it 
from it modified it to actually give it a more grounded, realistic story to make it more prevalent and more effective. Um, and I think what I really like is you often don't get the kind of like real visceral origin story like that's not that's not sort of centered around um and maybe I'm simplifying other horror you know people in this like like you know Michael Myers who died due to what is it neglect from camp counselors who were fucking too much no um, that, that's um Jason Voorhees Jason I always sorry I yeah. always get them mixed up and then Michael Myers Michael oh, Myers is is just a person he's uh he's lived uh in an insane asylum his entire life because he killed his parents when he was a child that's right. So, like, I like it when there's sort of, like, more of a deep-seated mythos behind a thing. Mm. Um, but that is combined a little bit, and these are some of the questions I'm going to be asking you, Shahir, about, like, the, like, I'm always interested in the mechanics of, like, how the supernatural element is brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that is necessary. That's just where my mind goes. I think it actually might come from my sort of, like, dungeon master mm-hmm. brain of like designing RPG campaigns. Like I'm always like, oh, okay, well like if this thing is haunted, then like why is it haunted? What power gave it this thing? And da 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 da. So like I always kind of that's a fun exercise I like to do. But I will say with Candyman, both I believe from what I remember of the original, which is not much, and this film, the 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 film craft on display ensured that like even though I don't think I got all my questions answered and you know maybe a rule or two was stretched or beyond credulity of what they've set up. Uh, I just really liked the ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made it so, you know, any any logical fallacy or whatever. And again, in horror movies, you're supposed to do this to make sure because it's it's a flight of fancy um, to make sure that you're still on board. You don't get bucked. And I feel like this movie did not buck me one bit. I was I was in it from start to finish. And I think that has a lot to do with the combination of realistic nightmare scenario of a person horribly wronged that has then come back for whatever reason to enact vengeance. Now, again, I have some weird disparity questions because, like, it's almost like Candyman is, like, the marketing of the character, like, Mm -hmm. in the world, right? Like, because that doesn't happen until an iteration of him later on Mm. when the candy is brought in and then that becomes the moniker and then that's sort of what summons him from the mirrors. Like, the... There's a lot of mechanics of the horror rolled into a more important story than we're used to, and those elements don't always fit together cleanly, yeah. but I don't think it 100% matters because of how powerful the origin story is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does, and I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with you that the, that the actual mechanics of how this work are clear, and I think they are confusing, and, and how the mechanics No, I was work. saying they are confused. That's what yeah, I was saying. I, I think they are quite confusing and 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 how they connect to the mythology is occasionally very confusing um but i think you know like um when freddy krueger you know the first freddy krueger movie didn't really explore the mythology of who freddy krueger was nope you just knew that there was a person who could kill you in your dreams Mm -hmm. and in a way um the more we've learned about what freddy krueger is and there's been a reboot which really explicitly goes into his backstory uh the more we've learned about it um but if list... we learned about the mechanic I, I don't know this this might be true i know we learned the backstory but right. do we learn the mechanic we we know that fear powers him fear powers him it, it's, but like... it's a it's 
And, and and a great example of this is it, where we suddenly learn everything about it, and it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like I don't know. I when like it was that. a scary clown, it was like, yeah, that was cool. But now it's like some interdimensional love it uh, giant turtle or something. Anyway, that's what I want. Um, so I think with uh, Candyman, there is uh, um, there is this confusion about the mythology. Let's set up the mythologies just for anyone who hasn't watched the movie or hmm. is confused, just like you. If you say Candyman five times in a mirror. Candyman appears behind you and will murder you, and which which is uh, um, uh, uh, I'm not sure what the you know the incentive for saying Candyman is well, at I any mean, point. Well, you know? I think we can all so we've all done especially when we were younger. Right, it's like a, it's a dare. It's a folk. It's, it's a dare, and it's yeah. a thing at like a sleepover or something like that yeah, where you yeah. try. It's the same as light as a feather, stiff as a board. It's the same as like all that stuff. It's yeah. like you know uh, what is it? Uh, not I was gonna say red rum. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a Mary thing. Uh, um, doesn't matter. The, the, so, yeah. yeah, go ahead. In the original was, script, it was you had to say it 13 times apparently, but then uh, once they did their first table read through, they realized that that was just uh, too much time yeah. spent and, it, and too much opportunity to break the spell, so to speak. Yeah, I do wish that that connected more with what happened to him or why he's doing what he's doing. I don't fully understand why he's murdering people who say his name five times in a mirror. But I so I think that actually leads to what I think the sequel does very well, mm-hmm. which is that in the in the original, um, Candyman himself was a um, a painter scorned who had this tra- you know terrible tragedy happen to him. He was lynched. However, when he came back, his his he was indiscriminate about who he would kill and how he related to the community he lived in. And this, and this film was specifically set in Cabrini Green, uh, the housing projects in Chicago. And the mm-hmm. amazing thing about the original as well is that they actually shot in Cabrini Green mm-hmm. at a time when it was extremely dangerous to be there. Um, they had to hire a guide to be there. At one point, they apparently the, the set was shot at. Um, the buildings that they wander through are actually in Cabrini Green. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the extras that are in the film are people who live in those housing projects. So there really was an investment in like you know sitting this in a real space. And Candyman himself, or the character of Candyman in that film, um, was kind of indiscriminate about who he killed. Uh, anyone who summoned Candyman would be, you know, a perfect victim. In this one, there is uh, a sort of somewhat of a restitution of what Candyman represents and who his victims are going to be. Um, as we see right at the very end of the film, he there's a certain choice about who his victims are going to be that plays directly into what we understand of 2021 politics uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like the, the sort of place we live in right now. And I think that's actually a really interesting lens to, to sort of frame Candyman on because Candyman was explicitly about race and and, and the history, the, the legacy of, of uh, America's racist past. But the first film was really also about, um, you know, Candyman, in a way it sort of mirrored the Dracula story, which is that it was about him finding um, the descendant of his, uh, of, of the woman he loved. Mm-hmm. Um, who happened to be white at this point. Um, so I think that's that's an, an interesting thing that this film sort of tries to wrestle with. Um, and and in, in many ways it's effective. So the, the, the um, Coleman Domingo character, is that his name? Is the actor's name? Um, I believe so. Yeah, who, who um, 
brings Candyman back, you know, says we need our Candyman right now because he's a represent he he in a way represents the the powerless in this neighborhood, um, and he wants to bring that character back because it it matters to to him to see the way this neighborhood has become gentrified and and taken away from them, and Candyman is some sort of um, balancing force in that in a that recompense, structure. yeah, a recompense to do that, which isn't necessarily the case in the first film. Um, I will say, uh, and then just to jump sidetrack a little bit here into the conversation about skill and technique, I think this movie is so beautifully directed, um, so well crafted and put together. Like you said, that first few minutes as the titles rolled and, and we kind of saw what was happening, I was like, I'm just, I'm in such good hands right now. Like, yep. I, I just felt like at ease because I was in such good hands. But unfortunately, the one thing the movie kind of fails at is fundamentally this sort of basic principle of what this movie should be which the original had in spades and at least at least when i watched it at that age which is that it was genuinely scary and this was not a genuinely scary experience for me i i found i i thought it was very beautiful very very well constructed and there were moments that i thought were very clever but i found that i think one of the things that was missing was a sense of creating suspense through the visuals that they that that Nia Costa had kind of employed here like I at no point during this did I feel scared for what was going to happen next I was curious to see how would she would do it but I actually was not you know like I, I, I was not I, I didn't have that feeling that you should have if you're watching a movie in the middle of the night by yourself in the dark well this brings up an interesting question um, is a horror movie unsuccessful if you're not scared hmm and then and then we could kind of flip that on its head then is it a horror movie like that's like like i don't know the answer to that particularly i would my gut says no a horror movie doesn't have to scare you it's more tropes that you're showing or things that you know elements that we compartmentalize uh genre into Hmm. um I, I mean, you know, like flip that question into other genres, for example, which is that uh, is a comedy unsuccessful if you don't laugh once. Right. Um, yeah. Now, I, is a drama unsuccessful if you don't cry? Uh, I think that's a little bit because the thing about the, the, the reason I love comedy and horror is that they 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 should generate immediate physical responses. So there's also something interesting too. like I would I, to be honest, outside of the gore. I would almost categorize this film as a suspense film because there was there was I too was not scared. Yeah. Um I did not have that tinge in the back of my head about like, you know, when I first watched I've mentioned this on the podcast, the first real movie to, to scare me was the Freddy movies, was the Friday the thirteenth movies. Right. And uh I did I fought to not go to sleep. Like I was not okay. Yeah, yeah. Um Jaws, which is a you know we talked about Jaws uh, mm-hmm. on this podcast and how much how terrifying that movie actually is. Yeah. Um, the know. on that note, I was more interested in the story than I was b- manipulated emotionally. If that right. makes sense, right. and that's not manipulated emotionally is what all movies are trying to do to you. I think. Um, not in a bad way, just that's yeah. you going on a ride. Um, so yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. I, I just don't know if it, it that that fact for me 
I didn't even think about it until now. Like I didn't care. Like I was, I, I, I was enjoying the ride this movie was taking me on, even though I wasn't scared. Yeah, I, I just think that that's uh, sort of a fundamental thing. Like while I, I think the story is really compelling, and I like the idea of reformatting this, um, I do think that fundamentally the movie misses the the quintessential genre element that this film should have which is to incite that 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 response in the audience you know like so get, get out is a great example which is that get out has a really complex story and is very socially relevant but it also has those direct scares in in really strong ways i don't think get out scared me though hmm like I, 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 here's what i'll say let's go down the sort of the, if we look at get out us and this and Candyman. Us, I remember being scared. I remember f- the physical feeling of being scared during Us. I do not remember the physical feeling of being scared during Get Out. Right. Um, and I did not experience it here in Candyman. I don't know what that is. And maybe maybe the question I, I posited even a few minutes ago is kind of the wrong one. Or, or maybe it's, it's this. Maybe, maybe Candyman or, fil- or horror films that do not scare you are unsuccessful horror films, but they can be great other films. Uh, you know, I, 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 you, well, I, I'm not sure. I like. I still think it's a horror movie. It's just with a. It but actually... like, genre is just a label that we're putting on things due to tropes. Like, right? Like, so like, if one of the things, if one of the tenets, and I'm not saying that it is. This is sort of my question. I was positing is a horror movie has to scare you, right? And this didn't scare you. Then that would either make in this in this hypothetical that would either make this film Candyman either not a horror movie or not a successful horror movie. I think it's I I I I, I think it would be hard pressed to say this is not a horror movie. I think I think the question the the easier the the direct line here is not a successful horror movie. Yeah, I mean that, maybe that that that, that could do, but then like would you not, then not call it a successful movie? Like I'm not asking you. I'm just sort of like I'm trying to follow the path down the road. Right, right. Like right. I, I, I would say for me personally, the the film doesn't successfully elicit the response that this type of film should elicit. Um, and but you still enjoyed watching it, and, and I enjoyed like would I enjoyed recommend this it, maybe? mythos, like you know, because it's re 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 um, retraipsing over things that I was interested in when I was younger. Um, as a film on its own terms, I think it misses the mark in terms of what I think is a basic tenet of what this film should do. But in other respects, it also deepens the mythology in interesting ways. Um, right. So, so I like. I think it kind of it just goes back to then. It's it's not an unsuccessful movie, but it's an unsuccessful horror movie. Yes, and that's, that's okay to kind of have a double line on that because again, uh, you know, genre much like. Uh, you know, money and various gods uh, are humans made up. Yeah, so, it's a way of categorizing <laughs> things into. And, but but the genres also help us define. Oh, um, certain, super helpful. Yeah, super d- helpful. Not not just define, but also gives us a framework for what a movie like this should do. You know, like I think this movie is. Well, meant it sets to expectations. Scare, yeah, it's meant to skip at certain points, but and and. I think it's very beautiful. Like it's 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 sort of got that sort of morbid beauty to it. Mm-hmm. But I also think it doesn't do the thing that that I think a film like this should do, which is that you know it should um, get to those narrative tropes through the scares. And I don't think those those narrative the narrative tropes of like deepening the mythology of Candyman 
actually happens through the actual scares. Uh, yeah. I find that it, it didn't. It, it actually didn't function on that level for me um, very well. Um, but certainly very beautiful, like ex- ex- excruciatingly beautiful at times, and um, weirdly sort of like realistic in certain ways. Like like I, I, <laughs> the most one of the most realistic things in this movie is how uh, Anthony, the main character, uh, Yaha Abdul uh, Mateen II, yeah, uh, how he doesn't go to the hospital till like way too late about yeah. the thing. I was like, yep, everyone's doing. <laughs> that now no one has health insurance this is fucked <laughs> like it's just like little things yeah i don't know uh, i i there was a there was also a quality to the first one which is that uh Vanessa, um virginia madsen's character in the first one uh is constantly being incriminated for Candyman's crime so <laughs> right. everyone thinks that she does you know like she is the person who did all these crimes and i think they they say that at the beginning of this film as well which is that she is the person who like cut off the head of the Rottweiler, which in fact was Candyman who did that. And she is the person who kidnapped the baby. Um, And I I don't know if you recall this as well, uh, but at the end of the first movie, she becomes uh, um, a mythological figure like Candyman, which is that if you say her name five times in the mirror, she appears behind you and kills you. Um, So she becomes part of that mythology. Um, So another part of like the mythology that I always thought was interesting was that Candyman himself was able to um like like would incriminate you he was sort of cleverer than than the he was freddy yeah like yeah he was more freddy krueger in that regard because because part of his thing was that he was avenging a wrong that was done to him so he wasn't just murdering people he was ruining their lives um and so you know the I, i sort of I was hoping for that part to kind of kick in a little bit here with um, with Anthony's character where he becomes incriminated in all these crimes. And it's sort of hinted at very sort of subtly that, you know, like people are sort of suspicious of him. But it's never a moment where he feels like he's on the run or he's worried about where, you know, like even to the point where he's been at, at the art dealer's house. Yeah, no, like, it's like cops aren't coming. Yeah, he's, like, he, he's right there right before she gets murdered. And he's the last person to see her alive. And it, that, that doesn't become a story thread in this where like... Like, people are concerned that, like, he is the killer. Uh, and, like, it seems to make perfect sense. If you've become obsessed with this mythological figure, it would make sense that, you know, like, uh, that this is who you would pin it on, just as Helen was pinned on, it was pinned on her in the in the first movie. I just think they were trying to tell a different story. Uh, yeah, and I think the problem is that story gets a little muddled here, well, especially so in the third act. Here's my question. Maybe mm. you can shed some light on this. So the original Candyman... Uh, from the first, the first one, that's sort of, that's very clear. Mm-hmm. But then the actual oh, the first one, one is a little confusing as well. Just to be fair, I mean, I don't think so. It's it's a it's a it's a terrifying, convoluted lynching that causes this man to die and come back to to uh, punish people. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we how much of that lynching was explained in the first film or was explained in the second film. Well, I, either way, I, I I got it now. Yeah. My question is, it seems like there's, based on what happens in the third act and some of the backstory in this movie, that there's multiple iterations of this being. Yeah, and not until, that's a new thing. And not until the 70s was it determined to be Candyman, because, because what happened was there was a man with a hook for a hand who gave kids candy. And then one Halloween, a white girl opened a thing with a razor blade in it, so the cops thought it was him, even though he never did it. Mm. And then they beat him to death. And then he became that new iteration of Candyman. But then I'm like, where did the naming, like, in this, because Candy has nothing to do with the original 
man. Uh, I think it has to do with the honey. The honey. Yeah. So he remember in the original lynching, um, he was covered that, in he was covered in honey, and then the bees, you know, and stung to death, and then burnt alive. And so the honey was the was why I believe he was called the Candy Man, uh, because he was coated in honey. Okay, that yeah. so that's lost on the just the sequel. Yeah, it's lost on the sequel. It's I I, I don't I think it's part of the extended mythology, but I'm not sure, sure how like sure. important it is. Other so than, like, I like the iterations, right? Like I, or like, and this is the other thing too. Like, did that man in the '70s ever become like he was the model in this movie of Candyman? Yeah, but then so, at the end of the film, we do see the original. Which doesn't make any sense outside of a nod. Mm. Well, no, because I actually quite like the end credits, which suggests that that what I like about the end credits as well is it suggests that this story is eternal and that it will continue to happen. And it's about it's not just about the mythology of the original painter whose character name I cannot remember for the life of me, Um, but it was the. It's a it's an eternal story of basically the American injustice of being African, you know, like being African American. Sure, no, I get that. I'm talking about what I mean. There was no you still get that story without throwing on the old actor's digital face on it, right? Like yeah. you, that's it's unnecessary. A, it's a nice that, nod to that original. It's a nod is, to the original thing, but it it. it to be honest, and I was glad it happened right at the end of the movie. That was the only part of the movie that didn't make sense that I wasn't like forgiving of. I was like, what? "Oh, well." Also, did you did you catch on to the fact that uh, Anthony's character was the baby that was kidnapped from the first movie? Yes. Yeah. So that I mean, and, and in the first movie, it was that original uh, Tony Todd uh, was the actor um, who was the actual man who gave candy. No, he was the. He's ori- the original from he's, back in the day. He's the original from back in the day. Yeah, and I in in the in the original movie as well. And my recollection on this part is a little bit hazy. There was someone killing people in the housing projects who had a hook for an arm, like an actual person, and everyone thought that that was the Candyman, and they arrest that person. But then the actual, the mythological, the the horror figure Candyman is still around. But then does the can does Candyman have a hook? The the mythological the mythological thing? yes he does why well, because his hand was cut off during the lynching okay and so he replaced it with a hook he replaced it with a hook he replaced yeah I believe he replaced it it's either he replaced it with a hook or it was placed on him during sure. the lynching yeah, either way he, his hand was cut off and no that's I know why but has, putting yeah. a hook on a person you're planning on killing doesn't make sense he like, might have replaced it himself yeah like, anyway you know. th- th- this is all semantical yeah. I, I just I find the Candyman mythos. Like what deeply they did confusing. in this movie, yeah, <laughs> interesting and interesting enough to for me to forgive the deeply confusing nature of the rest of it. Like, yes. like whereas I think maybe I didn't gravitate towards the first one because it was deeply confusing, but didn't tie it mm. to anything really outside of what was going on in the story. Uh, well, I think the original did have that that element in it, and it, and in in my mind, there was more mystery to the original that I really liked. Um, so uh, we're, we're sort of being, we're, we're having to navigate the, the sort of te- technicalities of the film because it is important. And as I say, the last third of this movie is really confusing in terms of, in terms of like what is happening and what is the goal here and how is it going to happen. But ultimately, Anthony is going to become the new Candyman because he is going to be uh, essentially uh, infected with the Candyman. But does he? Because I get like, because the CG face at the end. 
Yes, he is now, but 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 also he before that happens, he is like floating around with bees all around him, and he has become the Candyman, right? I guess. Yeah, like he's been dressed as the Candyman. His hand has been t- cut away. Uh, his body has um, has uh, become decrepit, and uh, and he is now mythological. He is summoned um, because he is killed in that first. Uh, it, you know, he is killed by the police, and then he comes back. Mm-hmm. Right, so he is now the Candyman. Yeah, and so, then, so the Laundromat Man will, uh, I think it was William, right? Yeah, uh, he won basically. He did win. I'll, I'm not certain what the slicing. I, I guess that was the sacrament. The slicing of the tongue was uh, was part of that. Like he sliced his own tongue with the with the razor blade. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's interesting. His character was a little bit uh, like woo by the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like. Ultimately, his ritual seems successful. <laughs> seems successful, and I did like the idea um, that um, Tiana Paris's character yep. um, is now, you know, essentially the same thing that is, that's happened in, in several of these movies. Now she is incriminated in this case because the cops are are corrupt, and she is about to be taken away. And she realizes, which is what Coleman Domingo kind of suggests, is that if I summon Candyman, Candyman will will save me from the situation. And and I actually quite like I, I think yeah. that there was something quite powerful about that. Uh, she know, didn't say it five times though. Yeah. Which is weird. And I was wondering why that was. I again the mechanic like why five times? Why in a mirror? Uh, I don't I, care about why five I mean I, I it's funny. <laughs> I care about the mirror mechanic more than the number mechanic, but right. they've set the number mechanic up and so they follow it until the very end. And I'm wondering why. Like, I like the idea. I, I don't know exactly why, yeah. but I do like the idea that the bees come from the other side of the uh, of the mirror. Like you know, when uh, right. uh, Anthony sees it for the first time, he taps on the glass, and the bee is on the other side of the glass. Yeah, it's and so that you cool. only see Candyman in a reflection. You won't see him in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes you do, though. Uh, do you? I, I mean, at probably, the end, you do. He's floating with no yeah, mirrors. Yeah, floating around. Just yeah, he's just he's just there. But like um, maybe 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 that that's the physical body like before he has a physical body you he only could see it he's only visible in mirrors but now that he has a physical body to inhabit fully right i don't and, know and I'm also shit up. the 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 way that person from the 70s kind of is involved in the story as well as a little bit uh uh like i'm unclear what happened but i guess i guess he is the previous iteration where i guess yeah and like, and is it the case that he is like on the spectrum or something like that? Like he's not don't quite, um, not quite fully, you know, mentally um, capable himself, and then he is murdered, and then he becomes the Candyman. Maybe. Um, I have a question. Sure. Or more of a statement. I don't know. Yeah. I felt like Brianna's storyline was leading a place that, and it, then they just dropped it. The the story of her father. Yeah, yeah. The story of her father and his suicide and her art and and uh, his art, I felt was uh, an unusual um, B plot to put in. That because it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess ultimately it's this. 
I mean, maybe what it is uh, as a charitable reading is that there is cyclical generations of tragedy and trauma that happens over and over and over again to all these people. And Candyman is an avenging force within that. So uh, I think even in um, it, why I like the end credits so much is that basically the end credits recalibrates like specific real world tragedies. Mm-hmm. Um, the story of George, I'm pretty certain that the, the child who is accused by the young girl is the story of George Stinney, um, which mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Do you know that story? Yes. or? Uh, George Stinney was electrocuted. Uh, I believe he was like 14 years old, a mm-hmm. uh, very young child. D- terrible story. Um, but it's the idea that that George Stinney then becomes the Candyman in this in this sort of iter- in this sort of mythology that they have written here. And I think that's there's something to that that I think is very powerful. Yes, um, I agree. But. But but then there is this thing to, that I have to say, which is which is that fundamentally the film doesn't really provide the the visceral, immediate physical reaction that a horror movie should in this case. And I, yeah, I, I don't even know. I mean, I, yeah, maybe that's not a big deal for you. I I think yeah, I would say I would add my 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 patented, tested and true for you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like because again, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I, 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 but it didn't, but, but, but I, you, you, and this movie did, here's the other thing too. During this film until this conversation, I didn't even realize I wasn't scared. So, but I was, I was profoundly unscared. Like, sure. I I found the problem was, is that it wasn't that it wasn't scared. Maybe I wasn't expecting to be scared. There was no tension to get like I, I think it like the first murder with, uh, with the art gallery owner, I thought was so. Um, there was such a sort of odd mix of tones there in terms of like, was it supposed to be somewhat funny as he's running away going, gotta move faster, gotta move faster. Um, well, the murders, this is the interesting thing. All the murders are people that you kind of want to see murdered. But even in those situations, which happens in horror movies all the time, sure. This the problem that's missing is like the actual terror of the thing that could murder you. You know, like, and I think... That's missing in this the film? The only time in the movie that I felt that was in the very beginning with the little boy going downstairs to do the laundry and the one of the earlier Candyman's coming out of the hole. You know what I... what I, Yeah, I thought the... Yeah, that that was actually a scene where the the sort of sit up and build, you know, with like the clicking yeah. uh, timer and then like, you know, coming out of the dark and like the candy. I was like, okay, this is setting us up in that world kind yeah. of well. But everything else where actual Candyman appears and kills people was not doing any of that kind of business. Right. And I guess I didn't care. I mean, I must have not cared. I didn't think about it until now. Right. It, it, it bothered me in that I found that those scenes were also kind of clumsily handled. In ter- where everything else, like, clumsily, not in terms of execution. Um, it didn't build tension for you. It didn't build tension. And it was like, oh, this, per- this, this, the filmmaking is so good. And it's sort of strange that we're missing the mark on this sort of, like, real fundamental level that, that a horror movie should deliver. Like, like, you know what's I, interesting? I, the I, I tension moments. Yeah, sorry, good. I think the tension moments for me came from things around the murders, not the murders themselves. Right. Like, okay, so like the art gallery thing, right? Like, I didn't feel tension during the murdering themselves because, like, by the time they're alone, horror movie dictate they're going to die. Right. Whereas I had more of a tension moment of, of Brianna showing up at work and finding it. Right, I had yeah. more of a tension moment around the conversation with the art dealer and Anthony in her apartment 
Like I knew she was gonna die. You know what? But I like think? the moment of her death was not like a tension moment. Yeah. Um, but also, I think there's a thing there, which is that I often found that the film, the story, the writing in particular here, failed to give compelling reasons for anyone to say Candyman five times in a mirror. So in the first it's the movie, dare. Yeah, but in the first movie, it was the like the re, like people didn't know that you would actually die. They just it was just like the sort of like, um, you know, like old wives tale kind of like you know campfire story that that people passed around and they didn't realize it was actually real, right? Well, actually, in this movie, it gives a pure real reason why the art installation brings it up. Like, here's how it goes: the art installation on the pamphlet that he hands out at the thing talks about the mythos of, of the five times thing and whatever, and then he invites people to do it in the mirror while right. they're there. Granted, I have a hard time believing that no one in that art gallery did it in the mirror, and if they did, how they're still alive, I have no idea. Right. But then, you know, the art dealer and his uh, his intern or whatever, they do it and they die. Then that news story gets permeated, and then his his thing gets brought up more there. And then, for instance, the the high schooler took the flyer and knows the thing. Yeah. And why uh, the high school? Well, I understand why the high schoolers did it, but I also felt like it was such a strange diversion from the actual main story, right? Like it felt like that was like a short film that could be a preamble to the whole movie. To be honest, that felt to me the the tie there was gentrification. Right. Uh, the tie there was. And it's funny, and then they make sure that like the girls are mean on their attempted yeah, way yeah, out. Yeah, like yeah. it's so funny, like to make you like not feel bad. Yeah. Um. And and they have the 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 bullied girl who witnesses it through uh, in, in the bathroom as well. Yeah. But I yeah I I think gentrification is an interesting part of this, and um, there's a couple of interesting lines about what gentrification means and who perpetrates it, and um, and also like this idea that um, um people. Uh, who are affluent or have privilege go into gentrified neighborhoods looking for stories of trauma. I think that's a sort of interesting yeah. well, part and, to this. And the whole, I love the two different exchanges between the art dealer or the art person and uh, Anthony, where it's like, first she says like, oh yeah, you know. You, this you is know, tired, yeah. You, you all come here to the whatever to do your art and whatever. And that's the one thing. It's like, yep, that's true. But then the other side of the argument really is, well, the rich have destroyed this place on purpose, and then when they decide they need more places, they have the artists come because they'll do the most uplifting stuff to that place to move it in the direction that the rich people want for the least amount of money. Right. Like, there's a whole thing there that's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So, but also, secondly, is that her dismissal of his art changes when it becomes popular par or part uh, mired in controversy in that it's surrounded by death. Right, like so. Right, and, and again, he, and it proves it proves both her right and him right in yeah. that way. Yeah, and I think that I think that was cool, much in the same way that uh, Jordan Peele kind of uses photography uh, in Get Out as sort of a lens to look at the way people capture moments. Mm -hmm. I think the the use of of art here and like what uh, what an artist's work is. I was like, oh, they're actually taking it kind of seriously and it's not, you know, like typically in a movie like this like art installations or art pieces are often, you know, like the punchline. Mm -hmm. But like his actual piece which was the mirror and if you opened it up and you looked inside and the the work was inside the walls. I was like, that's actually cool like yeah. i kind of liked it yeah um and I, I sort of dug that it was taking the the the, the work uh, a little seriously um 
but still fundamentally i i didn't feel find myself scared or and then i found myself kind of more confused as to what the what the what the general idea was about how to revive Candyman and what was going to happen there. And I think for someone who's watching this for the first time, this idea that he was the baby and is now becoming slowly metamorphosizing into Candyman is a little bit of a difficult reach, um, particularly for, you know, sort of a, a reboot sequel like this. I like I, it. I didn't think it was a reach. Not not in this fucking batshit world. <laughs> really? Yeah, that made total sense to me. Okay. Uh, All right, fair uh, enough. Uh, the, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think that worked well. So here's my question to you, sort of to wrap this up. Would you recommend Candyman to other people? I think it misses the mark. But I think there's a lot of compelling reasons to watch it that have to do with the Candyman, the ongoing story of um, black horror. Sure. I think, I, think, I think it's an interesting entry in that. As a film on its own terms, I think it generally, for me, it misses the mark in terms of, um, I, I don't think... Right. It, it, uh, would you recommend some people see Candyman? No, I don't think I would. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Not, not in the way that I would excitedly recommend... You wouldn't be out. like, oh, definitely don't check this out. But you, would, you, like, you wouldn't out, go out of your way to dissuade people from seeing it. But if someone's like, hey, Shahir, should I watch Candyman? You'd be like, eh, probably not. I would say if, you, if you're interested in the mythology... Like I, like, I don't regret watching it. I don't feel like I lost time or anything yeah. like that. And I don't feel... Um, you know, I, I thought there was enough in it for me to keep me interested. And oh, by the way, tight 90 minutes gotta love that like oh one a, god bless god bless god. i like i turned this thing on at, at like 11 30 at night oh, and the then best. i was like it's an hour and a half and i was like oh it oh, was like shift's kiss so so lovely <laughs> yeah. so we are so fucking old yeah well, um, i was just like i was just like oh i'm gonna get through this tonight you know like i'm gonna get this through the, get this done in one night yep. and i'm gonna enjoy it yeah. um looks and sounds great i think yeah it, it as i've said i think it misses the mark in terms of the the tension release and i think that tension release thing is really important because fundamentally horror is designed to get an immediate physical response from you. It's like one of the only two genres, horror and comedy, that really are designed to kind of get that from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when, it, when it does that well and is wrapped in a compelling story that also changes your viewpoint of the world or offers you um, some insight into the world. You know, the, the best one in recent years, of course, is Hereditary or The Vitch or, mm-hmm. um, or Get Out. Those are the, mm-hmm. you know, the three best horrors that I think we've seen in the last, um, since we've been doing this podcast. Sure. I think all, all three of those movies fundamentally do all these things really well, which is that they are both um, able to generate the tension and release that you need for a horror film and also tell really compelling stories around that, that response. Mm-hmm. Um, so when this doesn't quite do that i think it's a bit of a, like i think um his house for example the the, mm-hmm. the film that we uh, reviewed last year much spookier uh, movie much uh, i think is a similar is a similar experience but one that successfully pulls off the actual um terror that uh, i think a film like this should or the 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 the, the sense of unease yeah. that comes with a film like this well so on the flip side i would say i would recommend this to people um i just because it didn't scare me I don't see that as on a personal level as a failing of the film. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the places that it would might lose v- viewers might be the the depth and the complexity and the a little bit nebulousness of the of what's going on. But the style and the and the and the sort of love of the mythos itself that is completely apparent on screen kind of moves that all past for me. Like I'm 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 on board, and I think uh, I would recommend you know people watch it. Because again, I don't know what folks sort of gauge on being scared is. I'm not. I don't really want to sort of put that out on a person. So like, I don't but, know. But you can. But you, as a reviewer, you could, you you could quantify that in some way, which is that. Well, if someone said, "Hey, should I go watch Candyman?" I'd be like, "Oh yeah." And if they said, "Was it scary?" and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, not really." Hmm. And then that, and then we could get into a discussion about it. But like, the the, the I think for me. The fact that it was not scary was not a detriment. Right. I think okay. that's I think that's kind of where we're landing. And that goes back to my original question of like then, you know, when when thinking about genre, do we sort of you know have to do different caveats or categories based around because like you can say something is a not a successful horror film if we're just talking about like did it scare you but that doesn't mean it's not a successful film for a just an experience of watching a story play out before you and having uh interest or an emotional response but then, so, so so then for you the the story was compelling uh, enough on its own the story was compelling enough despite the holes and i think the holes for me were filled in with film craft were filmed in with really skillfully done cinematography editing lighting acting i feel like all of it sort of filled in the cracks that would otherwise break me away from this thing um I, look i'm not saying this is the best movie ever i just enjoyed it i liked right. it it was a, it was a good time i was glad again tight 90 minutes yeah um <laughs> uh i don't know i really dug it uh i i hope others did too but hey everybody write us in only movie podcast gmail.com what do you think of Candyman? Did you say it in the mirror? <laughs> Did you do the things? That was the th- that was the uh, I you know the 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 other thing about that first movie, which was that you were terrified to say the word Candyman after seeing that first movie. I like, mean, yeah, but I was ten. Yeah, but I was gen- and like even to this point, like I wouldn't say it in front of a mirror because of how good that first movie was okay. at well, setting up that mythology, right? Like I just I wouldn't say it. The only podcast about Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> Uh, Shahir, when you are not cowering behind your bathroom mirror, where can folks find you? Uh, I am currently taking down every mirror in my house and uh, replacing them with uh, wallpaper I purchased on Amazon uh, or on my website at www.shahirdad.com. It's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Uh, Matt, when you are forcing me to reach for the furthest of analogies, where can people find you? You can find me wondering where the Amazon link came in. I was trying to figure out a way to like tie it back to a website, and I was like, I got, I got to Amazon. I was like, maybe if I get to Amazon, I'll get to Shahir Down. <laughs> Didn't quite get there. You can find me wondering at the mental gymnastics over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, Pierre Easy on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. We just released a EC episode on all the different ways games monetize. Um, it's not something that people tend to like talking about, but I, I'm always fascinated, like, listing things out. And uh, rather than sort of like, you know, we, we, we were trying to keep it very, like... Uh, what's the word i'm looking for just sort of like here's all the different ways they're not all great right. <laughs> like but like they, you know just sort of seeing it because now the way we pay for video games is so segmented and weird and then shahir we have the most important extra history episode 
ever. Okay. You ready for this? The About the most important historical event of all time. Okay. The first episode of a two-part series on the Great Emu War. The Great Emu War. Took place in your neighboring country. In, in, in Australia? In Australia. Huh. Okay. When the Australian military <laughs> fought with weapons of war, with machine guns, <laughs> emu uh, infestations. Huh. It is fascinating and weird and the politics behind it and the way that the soldiers started thinking about it's fucking nuts <laughs> the writer of the episodes uh who hosts a phenomenal history podcast called something true duncan fife he's hilarious and it's so good and please go check that out yeah. um next week you know it's funny is during this while we've been doing this podcast uh, a guest that has been on the show a few times has been texting me about uh free guy Sure. Which is now available for streaming, but he's te- he's texting me with, this movie is so terrible, I would much rather text you than actually watch it at this point. Wow, that <laughs> makes me want to watch it more. Is that weird? Can we do Free Guy next week? I figured Free Guy was like a natural thing, given that, you know, like it was, it was, it's a huge movie. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, the, as we've been talking, this person is texting me saying, well, I could, I could even read you some of their texts perhaps, which is that this movie is, did you ever feel like you were watching a movie and just, and felt like you were just reading a script where the dialogue and exposition just slaps you in the face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, and I would rather text you than watch this movie. It's so bad. Wow. <laughs> kind of want to watch it now. I might go throw it on. Right. Are, are we going to do it next week? Uh, let me let me let me see what's out. I know it's available. Uh, write us in only movie podcast. Let us know if it's like a compelling thing. Get it. We record on a Wednesday night, by the way. So if you right. really want to get those recommendations in, you got to get us up early in the week. Um, if, yeah, probably if you, by Sunday because we kind of do our watch downs most likely Monday or Tuesday. Depending yeah, but on l- let us doing. know early if uh, if you want to do. It. I'll, I'll I'll post a notice on Twitter about it. Um, yeah, I, I have no opposition to doing it. It's also directed by the director of one of your favorite movies of all time, um, Sean Levy, who directed Real Steel. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know. We'll see if lightning can strike twice. <laughs> did it strike once? I don't know. Yup. We did a <laughs> podcast on it. Yeah, that doesn't, yeah, that, that doesn't mean much. <laughs> we Shahir, do a podcast on a lot of things. Yeah, listen. <laughs> Let's make some money, man. Let's <laughs> uh, let's just do it. Oh, we're in the wrong game for that. Anyway, we will talk at you next week. Thanks so much for taking this journey with us. As per usual, you're the best, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.